When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. Yeah, you know, I, I hear it. You know, I hear it on the sideline when I'm speaking to some, or I'm watching the play, and I can hear it in the background. Hey, watch this ball. Hey, this play. Hey, you're supposed to be over there. They're lining themselves up, and you need that with the way we're practicing, and because you don't have all the coaches in one area, you have all the coaches spread out, right? Coaches trusting everybody. We're all trusting everybody to do their job. So it's a reinforcement from the players, and the first people you hear, Luke Bullock. Rhymer in the back end yelling that guy blaze back there coaching coaching the guys as well and that's that's total team buying right there which is going to help in the long run that's the player accountability we were just shedding some light on I'm in the tough. back end of the seven o'clock hour coffee and cream damon benning andrew rogers on espn radio here in omaha live on twitter live on youtube the herd at sports youtube page it is really coming down outside. It's going rain. It is coming down hard. I saw some lightning strikes during the break, and now all of a sudden it seems like a monsoon. Wow, it's I'm monsoon I'm supposed season. to be at this retreat at 1. Hopefully it's indoors. Out at Mo- no, it's Hopefully out you're at, not playing out Uno. in Ashland. You, you okay. I, I will beat your butt at Uno. All right, I'm going to go. One on stu- one. Let's I'm go. I'm going to go study up. <laughs> I need. I no, do. I, I think Uno's the one card game I'd actually have you in. I need a glossary, you know, like a ta- you know, like a little Just map, the directions. like a key. Yeah, <laughs> this card means this. It, well, we'll open up the box and I'll give you the little white pamphlet in there it's that has sorry. Chinese, French, it's such a hater, Spanish. Sorry, all of it on there. All right, I'll, I'm telling you, man. One v one. I'll learn. <laughs> I'll learn. Well, I know, because if I make you get competitive about something, I probably will lose. Yeah, I was getting drubbed. And I got up to talk to one of the other coaches. And, oh, it was actually when I got back up to talk to Coach McGuire. And so another one of the coaches played my hand. And even when I sat down, he got Caleb beat him, and he goes, man, you might be the most unlucky person I know. You're I thought it was just you. It probably is, but you jinxed your own cards. <laughs> I was just like, I was going for five minutes just because you lost sitting in my seat. Didn't have anything to do with me. Oh man, all good things. Why and why? I'm going to figure. You watch. Um, I don't have any free time, but when when I do again, I'll stop by tonight late. I'm gonna figure out Uno. <laughs> yeah, I have Uno party waiting to play. Dude, I don't are know you if that's a junkie? the same as Uno, but I have Uno Party. Are you a junkie? No, I have like three sets of board games at my house, and one of them's Uno Party. I think I got it as a white elephant gift or a Christmas gift, something like that. Dude, we played, a, we played a, a family feud game. Mm-hmm. Oh, that game's fun. Dude, it was unreal. That game is really fun. I mean, and it was competitive, and 
I didn't like it because I didn't get to play. They like picked. You so, were, were you Steve Harvey? So, so they put no. Guess who was Steve Harvey? Micah. No, we played it in Sunday in Lincoln. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt Rule. Nope. One other guess. Young or old? Not telling. All right, then I'm going to guess Caleb. Terrence Knighton. <laughs> I thought you'd get that right away, given yeah, his that, per- that is uh, He didn't start out as the Steve Harvey, but Coach Rule was so flustered that the game wasn't going the way. He so he just, was, Coach Rule was Steve Harvey? No. Somebody else was Steve oh, Harvey. Okay. They weren't doing it right. And he kept saying, what, 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 what? Like, you, do you not watch Family Feud? Do you, what? <laughs> You could hear him in the back, right? Because defensive parents were on one side, right. offensive parents were on the other, and there were barely any defensive parents. It right? depends on what Family Feud uh, version. That's how they. It. That's how they separated it. And Hopefully not the one from the seventies. Coach Rule kissing he, everybody. He went over to T Knight and he goes, "Get your guy. Get, get go go do the job. Like he's out of here." <laughs> and I just was like, even in a game that he's not playing, if it's not going the way that he wants it to, you're out. Yep. So T. Knighton took over. But it was the actual game. Like, you could hear the dings. Like, I want to download the app. They were running it from, like, a computer. Oh, it was hilarious. I just want to be at um, all of those meetings just for the games. I don't want to go to the practices. I don't need that. You can go to all those things. Just let me go to the game portion. Do we really not have BC yet? No, BC's here. I would have guessed BC. Are you producing? Say BC. <laughs> Listen, I got to take these off I, for a I second. I saw the thumb up. I gave him the thumbs up I'm like five minutes. Bob Brian's, Brian's here. <laughs> I saw the thumb, but we were talking about Family Feud. Oh, hey, BC. Oh, hi, Brian. So, Did he lob well, me the bird? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that whole thing about Family Feud and all that jazz? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a show that's well watched in this house. Um, I get mad at Family Feud though because there's always one of the so five Coach Rule. five answers on the board is completely ridiculous. Like no mm-hmm. one's gonna right. <laughs> People um, are sending me Uno images. Yeah. <laughs> B- BC uh, because there's only eight different. Cards. Shut up, Drew Down. I don't need the details. <laughs> BC, let me ask you two quick questions. Number one, are you good at Uno? Um, no, I uh, haven't played that. In like, I haven't played it in like ten years. Could you pick it up today and be okay at it? After like one game or so, you're be- you're best to keep me to like the really simple uh, stuff like like man, troubles. Man, at, man after my own heart. Trouble and, and, and ladders. So, B- BC, there's like there's like parents and. They separated them from the recruits, so we're playing like real family feud. Like it looks like the game board on the TV monitors right there on the third floor. Uh, and here's the question: uh, We asked the top 100 people to name six Nebraska former Nebraska head coaches. There were there were there were six answers. Who were they? There were six coaches that were named? Yep. Walsh, Osborne, Callahan, Fellini, Riley, Rule. Y- 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 yes to Rule, yes to Osborne, yes to Polini. Who were the other three? Solich wasn't. Solich was. He was four. Uh, what was the question? Name six 
previous okay. Nebraska football. I would have thought coach. it was just the last. We got it. Probably Scott Frost, right? Did you say yep. Frost? Dude, when he got, he wasn't on there, and he got buzzed like, <laughs> and the crowd was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> coach Rule got up and acted like he was getting on the elevator. <laughs> At least he wasn't sliding down a handrail. Like that's that's the kind of environment BC that they have going. It, I, it is it is something was, else over there. Was Jumbo Steam on the board? <laughs> nope. The sixth was uh, um, Devaney, Bill Glassford, uh, Bill Callahan. So it was the last. Yeah, he was six. He was six. Could you believe? I, it's not what I would have. It's not what I would have done. But I mean, fudge. Take Sounds a like a fun game, dude. It was. It was awesome. It was a lot of smiles. Yeah, one of the parents was from BC. One of the parents, I can't remember, someplace far away. She got picked, and they asked her to, to name the consecutive sellout streak. And you can look right out of the windows on third floor, and it's like all over the stadium. Mm-hmm. But you're not supposed to help. And she like said something in the thousands, and everybody laughed. And I was like, this poor lady has no idea. Like <laughs> she, she's just like this is totally new to her. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but. Anyway, BC, sorry to, sorry, sorry to waste no, your time, right. Brian. BC, okay, two days of practice uh, of fall camp so far. Um, what is your number one, your, your very, like the very best takeaway that you have from the first couple of days? What is the, the top on your list? Well, I don't know. It's a uh, real brilliant takeaway. But, I mean, just the fact that they uh, split squad uh, the the boys over there is it was interesting to me because back in Indianapolis at media days, you heard rule talking about, he had this line about, we want to evaluate so thoroughly this fall camp that when we have our kind of who our main guys are for week one, ideally those are your main guys in week four and five. So you're not going back again and being like, Oh, we messed up here. We messed up there. And you're sort of reshifting your, your lineup again a month into this season. And he connected to that to how do you do that? Well, you got to you got to pile up reps, you know, so you actually give everybody a chance and you get a chance to see what everybody's about. So you have uh, evaluation that's made of something. And so when you saw what was taking place the last couple of days and at least probably the few, first few days of this week, um, it all computes as a smart plan of like everybody on that roster has to feel like I have a, at least a shot to show where I'm at and, uh, you know, what my positioning is within this team. And it gives the coaches, uh, you know, it's not easy what they're doing. Like Tony White came in the other day uh, for the post-practice session. And I mean, he's just like drenched in sweat because you know, like you're running after the ball. Like I want you coaches running after the ball. Like we're, we're getting these guys to run and the coaches are doing it too. And Tony White's like, I got to get shape. Like he's like, like he's feeling like he's a player out there. So that's, what's been going on over those two to three hours at practices. So I like the concept. Um, you'd see some of uh, Osborne's wisdom, not that these guys kind of come to some of these ideas on their own, but you can tell that rule takes to heart the things he has heard from past Husker coaches uh, who are on that family feud board. Um, <laughs> um, oh, we- the thing, you know, coach Osborne, talks about is you got you got to give these guys reps you got to have multiple stations going and all this and that and you're seeing that at play already yeah it's funny we uh on a, a little side note i was talking to brent his son just kind of the two of us over there one day and and he mid-sentence he breaks 
cadence, and he's like, look at my dad over there running. He's playing offensive line. He's going to be sore tomorrow. Like, <laughs> it's just like. But you're right, though. It's it's funny because I, I, I heard a couple of words over the last couple of days, and and they actually matter. We hear, we've heard standard a lot and elite. And the players are saying it. The, the coaches are saying it. And it's and it's strange, BC, because Gunnarsson said yesterday, you know, it starts at the top. The coaches hold the other coaches accountable. The, the, yep. Then those coaches hold us accountable. Then we can hold each other accountable. And I'm, I thought it was interesting that a player noticed a coach holding other coaches accountable. Am I reading too much into that? Or was that was that like an interesting tidbit? No, it is. Um, Do players typically notice that? I, I wouldn't say a lot. There's been a few guys who have maybe brought it up with this particular staff, but it it just speaks to that um, how obvious it is with with rule. Um, you know what's going on here, and you know how much the you know the coaches have a responsibility, the assistant coaches that is to answer to their head coach too, and the players see that. And I think there's uh, that that's a good deal when everybody's on edge a little bit they feel a little bit uncomfortable because you know when it gets to those games and you're in a tight spot and everybody's going crazy in the stadium and it's that third and six or whatever type of moment you've got to have um sort of this uh background of having been through some stress like having uh someone in your ear that's wants you to do this or that and uh how you respond to that and they and they're i think they get a, a good a lesson in that throughout their practices uh, by the way that rule holds them accountable. And I know the coaches, you know, they always talk about how much they appreciate that. Um, and that's, uh, that's one thing I, I talked to rule about his young coaches the other day, Dvorak and McGuire, cause they were on our 30 mm-hmm. under 30. That was a list. good, that, that's a great, good man. You guys, well, well, well done BC. He said, uh, Rule said, well, you know, the important thing as a young coach is you got to be able to be corrected. Like, I mean, that's that's the biggest deal. Like, if you know, you got to be obviously able to connect and build relationships with your players, but then you've got to be able to take correction and then offer it, you know, to your players. And he said, when I was a young coach, I got that from Tom Coughlin. You know, like uh, you're in, you're sitting there and you're um, that was one name he mentioned. Um, you know, you, he he's going to hold you to the fire about why did you do this? What was the reason for it? And you, you got to come up with answers. And um, so within his staff, he's always looking at the guys in his building and um, you know, you know, they had to make a coaching change last week, but it feels like Matt rule has like a three deep of coaches um, like on his desk. Like I would guess of like, this guy's ready if we need to throw him in here, because I've seen how he responds to certain situations. He is a guy who, um, can take uh, correction and then um, move forward with it and uh, process it well and and then do it right the next time. And so it was just interesting uh, because I'm glad that 24-7 Sports had two of the Nebraska guys on that list because there's, I don't think there's anybody in college football that is putting more faith or yeah. has more confidence in his young guys and then Matt rule. And, um, he, it, the thing is, I don't think he really views them as young guys. He just views them as guys who are ready. He's seen that they can handle it. So let's go. I'm having a hard time discerning whether he enjoys more pouring into the players or his staff. They're kind of interchangeable. 
right? I mean, can you you see that, right? Yeah, there's uh, well, I mean, I think there's great pride in you know watching like you know Gary Maguire is an obvious example, but Rob Dvorak's got a great story. I mean, Rule mm-hmm. said he was a guy who. Um, when he was a player, he thought like he could, if he had stayed healthy, be like a NFL type player. And then he 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 it, suffered a. It's like it wasn't sepsis. He had a, he got an infection from a surgery. Yeah, he had a, he had um, an infection that lasted for several months. And um, the way Rule explained it, he was like, you know, with his Rob Dvorak's mom, like crying and like they're praying, like I hope he makes it. Yeah, you know, it was one of those where you're a little bit worried about that sort of thing. And uh, Rob comes out of it and gets in the shape where he maybe could have played again. I got the sense. I'd have to talk more to Dvorak about this. Um, but Rule saw, you know, this guy knows the game where he could he could be a coach, man. Like, let's get it going. And, I mean, so he's a he's like a young guy who's in college who's already getting a start in coaching. But then um, Rule brings him to Baylor as like a quality control guy. But then he tells him to go to Lehigh for a couple years, be a position coach somewhere else, you know, get that under your belt. And so people got to keep that in mind. There might be some guys who are on this staff who you'll see like in a year or two, they go somewhere else. And you're like, why did that happen? Why is that guy like at Northern Iowa now? Yeah. And um, they're still in the tree is what I would tell you. Like they're, they're, they're still part of the, the community and could come back later because I think there's a rhyme and reason to all that stuff. And and once you're sort of around what he has going, if he believes in you, you're part of the family and you might be back in the family at some point. So I think people should keep that in mind as they think about this staff. And I mean, even when they made the tight ends hire with Josh Martin, he brought up in the interview the other day, Christian Ellsworth, who's a young guy on the staff, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's in his early twenties and you could tell like he was giving him a thought, you know, about like where he, he can go with, with this job. So um, there's, there's a bunch of guys like that sort of waiting in the wings and that's the way he wants it. So stay right there for me, BC, because I really believe that Garrett McGuire has the highest ceiling of any of the position coaches on the staff and he'll yes, be the fastest at becoming a head coach someday. And I think that because of his work ethic, of, of how he builds relationships, and for just the people he has in his corner. And, of course, you know, he has the ultimate, uh, like, trump card in his dad. But out of all the position coaches, whether they're on the 30 under 30 list or just some of the new names on this staff, who would be your way too early pick for becoming a head coach someday? One that would really excel here at Nebraska to really make a name for themselves to become a head coach first. Mm. McGuire is an obvious one. I'll, I mean, this it's cheating because I just did the assignment, but but Rob Dvorak is... Uh, That'd be my pick. Rule, Rule said that, like in the story I wrote about. I mean, he's just like, he, he explained how he was sitting next to his wife, Julie, watching a spring press conference that Dvorak was doing, which is interesting in itself. The head coach does, I think, look in on those and see how guys respond and all that stuff. And um, he said he turned to his wife and said, he's going to be a head coach. I mean, he's just got like it. He's, he, he has it, just the way he responds to stuff and the way people respond to him. He's got that mentality where, yes, he can get after someone when he has to in a big way, but he's also got sort of a calming presence about him um that that people i think just uh, kind of respect and rally toward and if you want um 
a shining example of what Rob Dvorak got done in a very small amount of time. Look at MJ Sherman. MJ Sherman was very candid when he first got here that it was tough. You know, you're at Georgia, you're on top of the mountain at Georgia, whether you're a first teamer or not, you're still around like championship football. And that's, it's like the big leagues of college football right now. And um, he was definitely part of that culture. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go start over. It's way different here. They're building. That's a difficult thing for a player to do. And um, very quickly, within a week or two, Rob Dvorak had him to a position where he was like, that's my coach. Like, I, I believe in this guy. I know what he's saying can help me as a player. I'm not taking a step back because I'm not at Georgia as far as a player and the knowledge I'm going to get here because of the guy that's coaching me. So I thought that was a major um, endorsement for Dvorak when, when MJ Sherman said that. Let me ask you something, BC, and you may need a couple of more – 30 like the those in, entrances into practice for media but does your do you have a guy that you're kind of thinking in your head well I know the general public and the media says this but uh, not so fast maybe it's not an indictment of what we think of him maybe it's that you think somebody else in that position may have something to say about the fact that we're just assuming he's going to be the guy. Is there a battle that you think, or somebody coming from the rear that you think you're at least, that it, that that's a possibility that we're not seeing? You're talking uh, a player position battle? Positionally, yeah. Man, that's good. You know, I don't know what they're going to, I don't know if this is where, where you're thinking, but um, I've always been intrigued about what they're going to do with the front five on the O-line because um, there's sort of six guys who always get brought up first. And there's, I think, been an assumption, you know, maybe Prohaska's at left tackle, Ben Hart right tackle, and so on. Corcoran slides inside or something. I don't know. Corcoran was still working at tackle. He could be your left to start. I don't know if it's possible. Uh, obviously, Prohaska's coming off the injury. Um and then Piper, I just think people overlook him all the time, and he's going to be in there somehow, some way. So um, that I guess that's a mild interest, but I, all six of those guys are going to play, so I don't know that that's a very good answer. Um, a guy that I think that we is really good and is going to be very important that just doesn't get talked about is uh, Gifford. I mean, I just feel like he's like yeah. when, it, when, yeah. it comes to, when it comes to money time, it seems like he's going to be a guy who – that it rises to the surface as like a main guy. And um, yet I feel like he gets talked about so little. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, what's funny. I actually wasn't thinking of him and I'm dumb because just yesterday I was waxing poetic about how we were dismissive about farmer. But when you look at, you saw it, you look at the safety depth on those first two units. Mm-hmm. Eh, that's not, I mean, you're, you're talking, you got Deshaun Singleton, you got Gifford, you've got, Maybe some combo of Samford and and Omar Brown. It's not like, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like. Where's Corey Collier slide into it? You think? So he's he's listed as a safety. He's a tweener. I think you could put him in the slot. You could put him at corner. He's physical, right? So, like, he could be that fifth DB that kind of gets down into the box. Um. You know, maybe Herzog could move and, and go back to playing that field safety. I, that 
they're going to have to do some maneuvering there, in my opinion. Tommy Hill has uh, inserted himself back into the, the conversation. Yes, he has. Hey, how, how, good is, how good was his attitude? I was floored. And that's a, that's a really interesting story, not only because, um, you know, what happened last year where he gets benched and then he moves to wide receiver, but if you remember at the beginning of spring, yeah, yeah. you were there right off the bat. Yeah. It was one of the guys. And so, like, Rule, you know, and that's the way Rule operates. The first practice, he's like, yeah, he's, he's not here right now. I don't know if he used the word suspension with Hill or whatever. It was, like, very temporary because I think he was back by practice two or three. But he, he brought up his name to us, and it was – written in every story and i think everybody's like well that's sort of the end of the tommy hill thing you know like he he got benched last year and where is he now and uh then by the end of the spring you're realizing like oh he's very much here and this staff gives opportunities for guys to mature show up and say hey i want to be a part of this i'm going to do this the right way you're seeing that with tommy hill you're seeing that with uh not that it was any off the field stuff with him but raquan buckley has a second life with this staff and mm. could play on the D line um, where, you know, a year ago we were not talking at all about him. And he's one of those guys who people would probably whisper, is he going to go to the portal? Well, now he's, I think a guy who you're counting on to maybe give you some snaps in that rotation. BC, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. So good, buddy. Thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Andy Kendi up next.